Jesus, get it in the name of Jesus. There's deliverance in the name. You are the Lord. Sing it one more time. Such a beautiful name this morning. Jesus. The name of Jesus. Hallelujah. All over the building, one more time. How many believe the name of Jesus has power this morning? The singer says it has power to break every chain. Jesus. the church without music. a beautiful name. How many believe it's a beautiful name? The name of Jesus, the sweetest name ever uttered by human lips. to the Almighty God, to the Lord Jesus Christ, to the honor of life, the finisher of our faith. There is none like him, there is none like him. He deserves our applause. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Amen. We greet you all in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we want to welcome you this morning. Hope you feel at home. Amen. We will 
coffee, we hope that you are at home. How many visitors are in the building? If they can just raise their hands. All visitors in the building, there is one there. Okay, just whoever is next to the visitor, just grab their hand and say, welcome. Amen. Whoever is next to a visitor, say welcome. Feel safe next to me. We're going we're gonna to enjoy the word of God together. Amen. When you're on a flight, you always want small talk with your fellow passenger. You don't want to wait until you go through the turbulences and you start talking to each other. While you're on the ground, you break rice. Amen. So all visitors are welcome. Hey, Sister Lorraine, I think it's Maposa. If I'm not mistaken, Sister Lorraine in the building. Other than our own, God bless you. Well, she gave me a call, picked up the uh, church on the website, and she said I would be in church. I was staying in Whitbank. She moved to Johannesburg. She's back in Whitbank. We welcome you, Sister Lorraine. Amen. There's another Lorraine that you can meet after the service. <laughs> Amen. God bless you richly. I don't know, maybe if we can take a seat and just say, bring them in. Uh, and then there is a baby that I need to dedicate. The father is not here, but we thought we should carry on. Bring them in, bring them in. Amen. It's the grandchild, it's your sister Macy. Amen. Just say, bring them in, bring them in. And Mark 10, verse 13, Mark 10, verse 13. <clears throat> you know, you can never trust a human being that does not operate under a prophet. Hallelujah. A human being that does not operate under the prophet is not trustworthy. Amen. But as again, you need to know the way of the true prophet. Amen. We've got fake ones now. It's quite a proliferation of fake prophets, but there is a genuine prophet scripturally vindicated by this by by the pillar of fire. Amen. Uh, I'm simply the reason I'm saying that if I did not have a prophet. I would be baptizing the poor child this morning uh, and even taking it further, even baptizing the poor child in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost. It was going to be a, a double jeopardy. Amen. But because we have received the prophet, we know we do not baptize children because they've got no ability to say yes or no. They have not reached the age of accountability. 
There is not an apostle. There is not even the Lord Jesus Christ. At no point in time did he ever baptize the children. But let's see our exemplary uh, Messiah. What did he do? Mark 13, Mark 10, verse 13. And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me, and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. He took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. I don't know where the clergy got this uh, thing of baptizing them, uh, but my Lord Jesus Christ never did that. He blessed them. A real believer, before they do anything, they always check there must be a scriptural backup. If there is one scripture against it, you do not do it. Are we together? So baptizing children, it is unscriptural. A church of God should never do that. Are we together? So we are just going to dedicate the baby as we bow heads. Bless you, Jonathan. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Brother Brenham in the COD, they asked him and said, Are the children going to heaven? He says, The blood of Jesus Christ covers for them. Amen. Are we together? Amen. Amen. So God bless the child. Uh, what I wanted to speak about is on the Easter meetings. Uh, we have quite several Easter meetings that are taking place within our vicinity. Some we've been invited to. I have received the letters from those congregations. So I thought that it would be very fair for us not to have the Easter meetings, but to support the meetings where we've been invited. Brother Hidden Retief will be hosting Brother Lemchat from America. 
Brother Brian and you will be hosting Brother Kidri Dix from uh, USA, California. Brother George Martin has got meetings over that Easter weekend as well. So we thought they normally support us. This time around, let us go and support them. Hallelujah. It's the right thing to do. And uh, furthermore, I've just given a signal to them that uh, there might be a need that uh, rather than having four conferences within one vicinity, it's about time we converge and have multi-congregational convention. Do you think it's the right thing to do? I think it used to happen during the time of Brother Brenham. He will often encourage them that rather than having little meetings, consolidate. Amen. It, it augurs very well for the body of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. So you've got uh, 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 Brother Judge Martin. He's having meetings. We've got Brother Hidden Retief. He's hosting meetings. We've got Brother Brian Naidu. He's hosting meetings. Let us go and support all the meetings that are starting on Friday and ending on Sunday evening. Are we together? Amen. Amen. Make sure that you go to those that your pastor recommend. Don't end up going to somewhere and you end up giving us, having spiritual rush. Yes, yes, yes. Hallelujah. God bless you richly. And what's happening before Pastor... Uh, Chisa passed on. He had invited me to Zimbabwe uh, for the meetings there, so they're expecting me there. Uh, I can't change that because if I were to change who am I going to change the invitation with? So I've got to honor the invitation, so I will be in Zimbabwe during the Easter weekend. Amen. You pray for me, I'm praying for you, and then we'll later we'll come and converge. Amen. And keep on praying for our building project. Uh, we are quite excited about it. Uh, it's going to happen. Hallelujah. Amen. I don't know. I was told that Sister Moyo or Brother Moyo is not feeling well, but it looked like it was Sister Moyo. But I see she's in church. Amen. But we're going to pray. Let's bow our heads. Gracious Heavenly Father, your daughter is not feeling well this morning. She has brought the prayer request to the fore. Lord, she's in service, dear God. What a better place to be when you are sick. May you honor her faith, dear God. I believe her coming this way, she disregarded the symptoms. And she's regarded whatever messages that the body was sending to the head. And she said, I'm going to the house of the Lord. And she must have said that over a scriptural confession. May you grant her her heart's desire this morning. May you heal her wholeheartedly, even dear God, even the son, if he's not feeling well, I know your hand will touch them and make them whole. Lord, you are the same yesterday, today, and forever. And if you can do it for them, maybe there is somebody in the building that is not feeling well. I'm sending prayer their way, dear God. Whatever situation that people may be in, I'm sending prayer to that situation. We are here to be addressed, to be serviced by you, so that we can become better Christians. At this point in time, your presence has been felt throughout the song service. Now we are being ushered into the period of the way. May you come and speak to us in a very special manner, dear God. I pray, dear God, may you take over even the offerings and the tithes that have been given by your children. Dear God, they have done that because they love you. May you reward them abundantly, dear God. We grant everything 
to you to take over in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 Brother Philip Mafagaza was a blessing on Wednesday, preaching to us about the power of revelation. How many enjoyed the Wednesday service? Amen. Just a round of applause. Amen. So we appreciate the audience that was here on Wednesday. Brother Mushavi will be preaching this morning for us. Uh, he will be a blessing as well. Amen. A round of applause as well. Let's stand to our feet and say, Heal your people. Heal the land. Amen. Uh, the service of God is not a monologue. Hallelujah. The service of God is not a monologue. It is a dialogue. God speaks to you, you speak back to God. And how do you speak God back to God? I say amen to that God. I say hallelujah to that God. Amen. Because if you speak to somebody and they are mute, then you end up looking at your watch and say, I, I'd rather go. Amen. So the service is the dialogue. When you are blessed, feel free. I think the chair where you are sitting, somebody must have shouted hallelujah before. Don't compromise. That chair is used to hallelujahs. Amen. Heal your people. Heal the land. Amen. Heal your people. Heal the land. There is still balm in Jerusalem. Many souls are longing for sweet rest. Heal your people, dear God. All over the building.
you all in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Uh, it's still a privilege uh, just to come and stand in front of you. And uh, I would like to thank the, the pastor for the opportunity just to come and share a few words with you. Just for today, just to come and stand in the gap. Yes, and then also we'd like to thank the pastor for each and every time when he comes here, feeding us with the word. And in fact, even yesterday, while I was busy preparing, uh, I was in the kitchen trying to fix myself, some, trying to warm up my food. Now my wife came in and he says, so because I was pacing up and down while the, the food was in the microwave oven, so he said, he said to me, <laughs> do, you feel how it, do you see how it feels to be like the pastor preparing the message each and every Sunday, each and every Wednesday? Uh, and for that, Pastor, we'd like to thank you very much. And then I think for that, you deserve a round of applause. Amen. That we will be able to come here each and every Sunday, each and every Wednesday, even in knowing that we will get something from the pulpit, that we will be able to get food, and not just food, spiritual food in Jewish season. And I think for the sisters who cook, you know that there is food, but there is quality food. And I think this is what each and every time we come here, we get quality food in Jerusalem, and for that we'd like to thank you. Uh, and I think the reason why uh, it is quality food, that is why you can see that the church is progressing, there is spiritual growth, and uh, because of that spiritual growth, I think that is the reason you can see me sitting here today. It is a proof that there is spiritual growth in the church. Amen. And for that, we'd like to thank you again. Uh, without wasting time, I want us to go straight to, to the word for today. Uh, if we can just take our Bibles, and then I will start with, uh, you know, every time I preach, I will always like to read three scriptures. <laughs> so even today, it is the same. So we'll start with Mark 8, verse 35. And then from there, we'll go to Genesis 4. And then from Genesis 4, we'll go to Genesis 24. I think you will realize each and every time I preach, I don't know why, but I cannot just get myself off the book of Genesis. Maybe it's, it's what, uh, it is because Genesis is the sixth chapter. That is the reason each and every time I, I have a message, it always leads me back to it. Amen. So if we all have our scripture reading, uh, I will just read it. Do we all have it? Yes, it reads this way. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. But whosoever shall lose his life for my sake, and not only for my sake, but for the gospel's sake as well, the same shall save it. Amen. And then I will go now to Genesis 4, verse 8 uh, to 12. If he found it read this way. And Cain talked with Abel, his brother. And it came to pass when they were in the field that Cain rose up against his brother, Abel, his brother, and slew him. And the Lord said unto Cain, Where is Abel thy brother? And he said, I know not. Am I my brother's keeper? And he said, 
What hast thou done? The voice of thy brother's blood cried unto me from the ground. And now art thou cast, cast from the earth, which had opened her mouth to receive thy brother's blood from thy hand. When thou tillest the ground, it shall not henceforth yield unto thee her strength. A, fug- a fugitive and a vagabond shall thou be only in the earth. And then from there we'll go to our last scripture reading. Uh, Genesis uh, 24, verse 1 to 4. And it, it read this way, And Abraham was old and well stricken in age, and the Lord had blessed Abraham in all things. And Abraham say, said unto his elder servant of his house, that ruled all over all that he had, uh, of his uh, all that he had. Put, I pray thee, thy hand under my thigh. I will make thee swear by the Lord, the God of heaven, and the God of the earth, that thou shalt not take a wife unto my son of the daughters of the Canaanites, among whom I dwell. But thou shalt go unto my country, to my kindred, and take a wife unto my son, Isaac. Amen. Uh, if Brother Chedi can just come here and just uh, bless the reading of the word. Amen. Amen. With our eyes closed. Precious Heavenly Father, dear God, Lord, how could we not even, Lord, be sensitive, Father, to realize, dear God, that how the mighty angel God himself, the Lord Jesus Christ, that walked on the seashores of Galilee, dear Lord, stepped into our service this morning. And Lord, we can even take it further this morning, dear Lord. When we woke up, dear Lord, this morning, Lord, thoughts flooded our mind, but God, there was something that was just pushing from the inside, dear God, causing us, Lord, to, to, to make the service this morning, dear Lord. And each and every one of us this morning, dear Lord, fought against the, the Philistines, fought against the, the unbelief in our minds, dear Amen, Lord Jesus. Lord. Where it could be a Sunday morning, Father, we could have been out there in the world, dear Lord Jesus, yes, Lord. and it's conditioned, Father. But Lord, you knew there was a word of deliverance that was going to come this morning, dear mm. Lord Jesus. You knew my brother Slavi, Lord, would, would come, dear Lord, with yes, Lord. something anointed, dear Lord Jesus, yes, Lord. to provide, Father, the sustenance, Lord, yes, for Lord. each and every one of us, Lord, mm. in our particular, dear Lord, uh, yes, Lord, needs, Father, this morning, dear God. And you know your children this morning, Father. Many have come and, and fought, dear Lord Jesus, to come into your service, Father. Mm. And, oh God, the enemy tried to keep them away, Father. But this morning, dear Lord Jesus, thou hast prepared your servant, dear Lord Jesus. Mm. And we pray, Lord, that the word of God, that sharper than any two-edged sword, Lord, will come and cut, dear Lord, beyond those thoughts, Father, beyond the flesh, dear Lord yes. Jesus, mm. right into the heart, Amen. oh God, right into the soul, dear Lord Jesus, 
and discern the situations, Father, mm. and supply the needs of your people this morning, Amen, Father. Lord. You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever, God. Hallelujah. You are the same God of Cain and Abel, the same God, Father, Lord, in the book of Mark, Father, yes, Lord. the same God, Lord, in the book of Revelation, Father, yes. and you are the very same God, Father, this morning, dear Lord. Yes, Lord. As my brother Slavi said, Lord, we are witnesses. There's been a change in our life, Father. Hallelujah. The name of Jesus Christ never fails, Father Amen. God. It is Jesus Christ, Father, this morning, Lord. Step in, anoint your servant, dear Lord Jesus. Mm. Oh God, unction him, dear Lord Jesus. Yes, Lord. Lord, to step aside, Father. And speak the oracles of God, Father. That an entrance may be opened, Father. That an inner man from him, dear Lord, may speak to the inner man from within us, dear Lord Jesus. That we walk out of this service, dear Lord, as citizens, Father. Not just from Whitbank, Father. Yes, Lord. Lord, like Brother Philip said, Lord, on, on, on Wednesday, Father. We come from heaven, Father. Yes, Lord. We're just a passing by. Hallelujah. We're just a visiting, Father. Amen, Lord. Uh, strengthen us, dear Lord Jesus, for this journey ahead, Father. Amen. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. God bless you. Uh, we can have a seat. Amen. Uh, this morning, I would like us to share on a, a little subject. In fact, I think if you remember my message the last time, I preached on the way of life. So while preparing this message, I actually thought I was going to continue the same message. But each time I was preparing it, it was leading me into a different subject. So this today, our subject will be the preserver of life. Amen. So it is just a continuation of the same message. So if you remember the last time we read about Jonah, and then uh, if you remember about Jonah, he was a prophet that God had chosen for himself, that he was supposed to go into Nineveh to deliver a message to the people of Nineveh so that they will be able to change from their ways. But Jonah being Jonah, he decided instead of going to east towards Nineveh to go to the west towards Tashish. That means Jonah was not only running from what God had given, had, had, had commissioned him to do. He was actually running even from his calling as a prophet. That is why instead of going to, to Nineveh, he took a different uh, direction, going towards Europe into Tashish, something that God had never told him to do. But something about Jonah, he was the ordained prophet of God. It did not matter what Jonah tried, he was commissioned to do as God wanted. That is why, even along the way, because you see, when you live, your your life, you have to travel through a life's journey. So through a journey that Jonah took, when he went towards Tashishi, God even preserved him. He preserved him to such an extent that because Jonah did not listen to him, he caused the storm. And then uh, while he caused the storm, everybody in the, in, in the ship decided to, 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 to unload all, all the, the goods that he had on the ship, thinking that maybe if they can unload those goods, maybe he will, they will get back. The, 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 the storm won't be shaking the ship as it was. But because... The ship was not shaking because of the load. It was because it had an occupant. Yeah. 
someone who belonged to God inside. Someone who had to fulfill a purpose that God had set him to do. Now, even after they've done all that, Jonah realized that, no, that means the problem is me. He confessed to the people that (laughs) I am the problem. I'm the reason why the sheep is shaking as it is shaking. Now, when he said that, they said, what can we do? He even volunteered himself to, to show you how determined Jonah was not to fulfill the, the will of God. He even volunteered to be thrown off the ship. The people did that, but because God had a purpose about Jonah, even he preserved him, even through the storm, through the water. I don't know if any of you have been on sea and, see a ra- and have seen a raging sea, how it behaves. You cannot survive it. Now, God, because he had the purpose of a Jonah, he prepared a, 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 a fish, a whale, to come and swallow Jonah, <laughs> to preserve him for his purpose, that he will be able to carry what? His purpose. Even when Jonah was determined to go even against God's will. You understand? So that is why today we say the preserver of life. Because he preserved Jonah for his purpose in the sheep's belly. You understand? And then now you might think, why a fish? Remember now, the people where he went to, the people in Nineveh, they were believing in a fish god. That is the god they were worshipping. Now, when Jonah came through that way, a sheep I don't know if you can imagine this. A whale just come on shore and it vomits a person. That is exactly what happened. But it was for a purpose. Because the moment it did that, and the moment Jonah opened up his mouth, the people had no way but to surrender. Because here was the God bringing a person to speak to them, to tell them to do what? To repent. Amen. So Job was prepared, preserved for a purpose. Even when in his mind he thought he was going against God's purpose, it was actually God's plan about his life that he would make such a dramatic entrance to be able to convince the people of Nineveh that there is a God. You must change. You must repent from your ways. Amen. So he preserved it. So now the, the, the question is, what about you? If he can do that to Jonah, what will he do for you? Will he leave you alone? Will he leave you to go through the journey of life alone? Without a guider, without a, a direction, without a navigator? God himself, will he do that? I do not think he will do that. Because he could do it with Jonah. He could he can actually do it with you. Amen. And also during the last time, because that is what brought me to this message. Even the last time we read about Caleb and uh, Joshua. Remember, the children of God, Israel, were supposed to go into the promised land. Uh, and then uh, they, 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 Moses sent the 12 spies. I think you all know the story. Now they came back with a report. Two had a good report. The others, because of their unbelief, their report was what? Deemed to be evil. Because it did not have faith in it. They were giving excuses that the people there are giants. 
The walls of the city are great. There is no way we can traverse them. So they did not want to go in there. But Caleb and uh, Joshua had a different report. No, because the people took the report of the ten spies. You know, sometimes if you are a person, you need to be careful. It is not about the quantity. No, <laughs> no. because you get, quantity doesn't mean quality. Sometimes you just have to go against the norm. There is so even if you, as message believers, you are not many. Because quality is not found in many. Because quality is not common. That is why there were only two. Now, because they, 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 they believe that report, which was, not, was deemed evil, which had fear in it, which did not have faith, God decided to tell the people that now you can't go into the promised land. That you had to. Now, remember, uh, Caleb, Joshua, <laughs> they had done the right thing. But now, because they were part and parcel of the children of Israel, also they couldn't go. Now, for 40 years, the children of Israel had to just run around, go around in the wilderness. The reason being, God wanted to take out that generation from 20 years up, because those people, they, had, uh, they could make a decision to accept or not to accept. He wanted to wipe it out. But during those 40 years, he preserved Caleb. He preserved Joshua, making sure that they were going to reach the promised land which he had promised them to reach. You understand? Even when they were just moving about, because he had made a promise to them. He preserved them. Because he has made a promise to you, he will also preserve you. Amen. You see, so that, that is why now, as we go through our lives, you should know that you are not taking this life journey alone. He is there with you all the time, going along with you. So I just want us to read a quotation so you can see where I found my, my subject. I want us to open uh, the, 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 the spoken word Israel and the church. And we'll read paragraph 192 and 193. Now in this, you'll find that it is Joseph speaking. After, remember, Joseph types uh, Jesus. Now, it was after he had been caught, he had been in his brother, his brothers betrayed him, sold him to the Ishmaelite. After he had been taken into Egypt, where you know all the things that he had gone through, through he had to go through, being put in the in the pit, just like when Jesus was buried, being put in jail, having to rescue a, 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 one of the two people who came to him with with with, uh, with a dream, and what, with the other one perished. All that story. Now here. The reason why he had to go there, he's telling his brothers that why he had to go through this. So he says, then he screamed, that is Brother Branham here speaking, and wept. That great prince standing there and the patriarch, so it was what? Joseph and his brothers, the patriarchs, said, God sent me. You see, it was not what they did. He's telling them that it was not you. It was God who actually sent me into the land of Egypt. Now they are looking at him. So, Brother Bremen, see. They see the Holy Spirit, how love divine will do. 
the reason he sent him there is because God had a loved the children of Israel. He wanted to make sure that he preserved them, that they do not perish as a nation. Because he knew, remember, God is omni, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent, infinite. He can see all things. He knows all things. So he knew that down the line, they were going to be famine. Yes. And then the only way for the children of Israel to survive is if Joseph be made a prince. Where? In a foreign land, in Egypt. Amen. So here he speaks, he says, God sent me down here. Don't feel bad about it yourself. Said, God sent me down here to preserve life for these times. You understand? So you see, the reason why he had to go through that was that he needed to preserve life. Not just a life, but the life of the children of Israel. Because if he didn't do that, the children of Israel were going to do what? They were going to starve. But here he was. Sent here to want to preserve life. And what did God send him here for? But to preserve life. What's the Holy Spirit here for tonight? To preserve life. You see, the reason I'm saying God will not leave you alone. He will preserve you. That is why he said he will send a comforter, the Holy Spirit, to be to go with you in this life journey. Amen. So he says he was rejected of the Jews and sent over to the Gentiles to preserve life. So now you see Brother Branham now, he's bringing it over to you. Here he was telling that Joseph came to preserve what? The Israelites. But now the Holy Spirit was here to preserve who? You, the Gentiles. Amen. So have you got it tonight, my friend? Have you got it tonight? (laughs) The reason why he preserved you. Amen. So, the Je- Joseph had to end up in Egypt, like I said. And the reason was to preserve what? Life. Now, if we look at the word preserve, it means a lot of things. One of the things it means is, the, is to maintain. That is why no one... And if you look at the, the, this word, you'll find that each and every time I'm reading a meaning about the word, it, it, it will show you the attribute of who? The attributes of God himself. Because I can tell you now, I can actually assure you, there is no man that can preserve you except God. Yes, men can preserve you for a moment, but they get tired. They can preserve you for a moment, but they lose strength. Because they are what? They are men. That is why even me, if you are married, like some of our brothers are married here, your wife or your husband, the only way he can love you and then also preserve your children, is if he has somebody else in her, or in him, if he's a husband, that will guide him. That means if you marry and you find somebody who doesn't fear God, I can tell you, you are in trouble. Because when that love fades, that person will need something inside of them that can sustain them. You understand? So that means your husband's love is not the one that's going to sustain you. That means even if you do something wrong, for him to be able to forgive you, he must have love. Not just love. Not just filial love. But he must have agape love. Inside of him. The love of Christ. In him. To be able to forgive you. To love you. Even when you change. Because you don't marry a person because they are beautiful. Because beauty does what? It fades. 
It doesn't change, brethren. It fades. <laughs> it fades away. You get old. Your skin wrinkles. Now, if you are marrying somebody because you love their beauty, as time goes on, <laughs> amen, as time goes on, you'll be in trouble because what does it do? It fades. Now, you need something to sustain you. Something beyond feeling. Love of feeling. You understand? Because, I mean, even the Bible tells us Abraham and Sarah, they were old, well stricken in age. They had no feelings. You understand? That, that part was gone, but they still loved each other because it was not a feeling, it was something in them internal that could even sustain them without even feeling. Do you see it now? Amen. Amen. So that is why you need somebody preserve means to maintain. Amen. And it also means to conserve, to protect, to care for, to look after, to safeguard, to keep safe. You see all those attributes, all those characteristics, they point towards only one person. No man can do that. Except who? Christ. And it says also is to retain a condition or a state of affairs. You, in the world that we are living in, nothing can be maintained. I have my iPad here, which I love so much, broken. Because I try my level best to maintain it, but because it is not eternal, it is something that is man-made, it was, it's broken. That means then the next time I have to get a new one. You understand? Matter for him, he can maintain you, conserve you in your original state. Only him. Nobody else but him. He's the one who can do it. Amen. And he says also, is to maintain or keep alive a memory or a quality. That's what the word preserve means. And he says is to treat, to prevent something from decomposing. I think you know how to preserve a food. <laughs> For you from decomposing, <laughs> God only can do it. Yeah. Nobody can do that. A person, when his time comes, he ages. There's no, there's no way about it. A person will age. But for a spiritual person, the one inside, the inner man is always maintained. Because the inner man is related to who? To Christ himself. So that is the real you. I think we've spoken about this many times. That what we see here contains something that is inside of you. That we should know, not just what we see. But there should be something, the real mutadi, inside. That is what God maintains. So don't say, if he says you, you, God is maintaining you from decomposing, why do we get old? It's because, yes, you are supposed to get old because you are flesh. But the person inside of you, that is what God is concerned about most of the time. Amen. So now, if you look at the word, I think we have some brethren here from France who speak French. They say the word is from late Latin. It's a compound word. It's made of two words. I will try to pronounce it. If I'm wrong, you will forgive me. The, the first part is prior. And the first, second part is saver. I don't know whether it's savare in French, what do you call it? And then it's, the two words when you put them together is prasavare. 
<laughs> Something like that. Amen. But if you look at the first part of the word, prior, it means before. <laughs> who, who knew you before? Before the foundation of the world. Before there was earth. Before there was even this world. Who knew you? Who preserved you? Who saved you? Who died for you? Christ. That means he's the only person who qualifies to be called preserver. No man can, but him. Amen. And he says, before. The other word, prior, means in advance. (laughs) He will see. That means he will preserve you in advance. If you are going through trouble, he can even change your route. In advance. To make sure that you go through a safe route. To prepare, that means he will preserve you even before you go through troubles. Amen. He will preserve you in advance. Right. If you need something, he will provide it in advance. Before you have need of it, in advance, he will give it to you. Now, that is why you find that some Christians are ungrateful. Because things are done for them in what? In advance. When you are sick, he's already cured you. In advance. But because he's a God, that is why he, has, he was Elohim. He had to come, become the Logos, become the Word, and then become God. The only way, time he was God is what, was when people were there. He had formed people. So that the word God means an object of worship. So that he can be worshipped. So God wants you to worship him. He wants you to thank him. Because he will do things for you in what? In advance. Amen. So it says, the, the second part, Sevare, it means to keep. So he will keep you, maintain you in advance. Before you have need of everything, anything, he will do what? Provide it in advance. Amen. Amen. So now, if you read, there is a, because we are talking about, you are still on the same topic, the way of life, the preserver of life. That means when you are going through that way, he, Christ, must preserve you. Now, if you, you, you read Isaiah 35, verse 8, it is talking about two ways. The highway and a way. Now, maybe we can even just open it. Isaiah 35, verse 8. Just read it for you so that you will, under, you will understand. He says... And a highway shall be there. Or maybe you can just, but they can just flesh it there and we can read it from there. He says, and a highway shall be there. And a way. And it shall be called the way of holiness. There unclean shall not pass over it. But it shall be for those, the warfaring men. Though fools shall not err therein. No lion shall be there. You see, no trouble. If you are going through that way, no trouble shall be there. Because this is what is, there is a highway, but you are going to be walking on what? A way. A way of holiness. A way that he, Christ, has prepared for you. And that way is him. You understand? So he has to preserve you through that way. That means through your life's journey, if you are his child, he will do what? Preserve you. In advance. Before even you reach trouble, he will look after you. Amen. Amen. No lion shall be there. No, nor or any ravenous beast shall go up there on. It shall not be found there. But the redeemed you shall walk there. Amen. Now, Brother Brennan, when he speaks about this way, 
He says, when you walk through it, you have to walk in the middle. You shouldn't walk on the other side, on the other side. What it means is that if you are a child of God, <laughs> don't be too starchy. Go to, towards the extreme. Don't be too starchy. Don't be too ungrateful or not too caring and go on the other extreme. You have to be in the middle. That is where God has ordained you to walk. Right in the middle of that way. That way of holiness. His way. Amen. Now, when, the reason why I, I came to this message is that one, one person came to me. And then he's a person that I've known for, two, for a long time. So he's a patient of mine. Now, they came to me. And then uh, they, were, they, they are from the denomination. Now, something tragic had happened to them. Now, when they came to me, they told me that, no, because I was, I'm their doctor, so I was looking after them, now that I need to prepare her medication because she will be away for some time. Now, I was asking, where are you going? And the person came and said, no, uh, something like this, because I don't want to reveal the contents of what we're talking about. He said, something tragic had happened to me. But now, because something tragic had happened to me, I'm going to go to some place and go to an initiation school to be able to become a Sangoma. Now, I'm like, okay, but you, when I was, I know you, you are a Christian. He says, yeah, but... Then I asked them one question. I said, have you ever believed God? Have you ever believed Jesus Christ? Have you ever been saved? And she said, you know, doctor, you are asking me a difficult question. In fact, everybody is asking me the same thing. Yes, it's because you've professed before that you are a Christian. Why now, when something tragic happened to you, you see that the, safe, the better route is for you to consult the ancestors? Why don't you consult him? Can, is he not your Lord? Hey, Dr. Norman, hey, you are asking me difficult questions. I'm like, yes, I have to ask you because you made a profession before. Why don't you think that he will take you through the storm that you're going through? Why do you believe going backwards? My, my brother, my sister, if you, you are a Christian and you go to the ancestors, the dead people, <laughs> you are you're going backwards. Yes, there is no other way about it. Because there is a person who has a quickening power, who has died for you. And there is a promise that since he died, if that power, that quickened Christ, if the very same power is in you, it will ensure you that you are also quickened. You understand? So I was asking you, why do you have to take this decision? No, no, I'm, 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 I'm in a hurry. She left. <laughs> Amen. Because now it shows me that she didn't have a contact with him. He, yeah, she professed to have him, but actually she did not have him. Because if she had him, she was, he was going to look for, take care of her in advance. And if he didn't take care of her in advance, he was going to carry her through the storm. Just like he carried Jonah through the storm. He would make means. If you have to call another whale to swallow you in the storm, he would do it. But because she did not find him, she did not have a contact with him, 
she had to resort somewhere. And I can tell you, the pastor has said it before, that you must be careful of relatives. Do you know this person, his brother, because he believes in these traditional things, he was prepared to, while he was away for three, four months, to pay all his debts, take care of everything after him, just for him to go through the process. Mara, the tragic thing that has happened to her, he's not able to help her with the, thing, the storm that she's going to. Mara, she's able to go provide for her to go there. Be careful of relatives. <laughs> Be careful where you send your children to. Because they will go all the way to make your children do things that you will not allow them to do. You understand? Yes, they will go all the way. It is the devil. <laughs> you be careful. If a person doesn't believe, be careful. They will corrupt your children, may go all out of the way to make sure that your children are what? Are corrupt. Just to do what? Just to prove a point to you. Be careful. So now, that is what this, this brother was willing to do. To do that, to make sure that she what? She is derailed. This way of faith, this gospel that she was going through, she must leave it just for her to go through that, pro- to, to, to go through that process. Encourage her. So be careful of encouragement. What type of encouragement do you get? Now, if you remember, Christ, uh, there was a woman of Samaria. There was Peter. There was Philip. Now, there was something about uh, these, two, these three people that they found him. The woman of Samaria, she had her issues. She was a prostitute. But when he told her all things, that means if you find him, there should be a change in you. He has to tell you things. When he told her all things, he said to people, isn't this the Christ? Isn't he the Messiah? Because he realized that only the Messiah could do that, could reveal even her inner secrets. That this fifth husband you are living with, she's not also yours. Heaven, how did he know? He is the omnipotent, omniscient, omnipotent, omnipresent God. Infinite. He knows everything. That is why that woman was convinced. That is why she went out shouting, telling the people that I have found him. This morning, you have to find him. Now, there was Philip. There was Nathaniel. Now, Philip found him. Then he went to Nathaniel and told Nathaniel that, hey, Nathaniel, you know this thing that is going on, that there is a Messiah? Yes. My friend, we have found him. <laughs> Nathaniel said, oh, where does he come from? You mean from that place? Uh, where is the place that Jesus? That Nazareth, you mean Jesus Christ, the Messiah, can come from that place? He says, come in here. When Nathaniel came, he said, an Israelite indeed. A man without any wrong. You, Nathaniel. He said, hey, Lord. And that was the description of Nathaniel. He was an upright man. The man who eschewed evil. And when God addressed him like that, when Christ addressed him like that, he said, who are you? He said, where did you, how do you know me? He said, yesterday, when Philip went, when you were under a tree, I saw you. You see, he has to tell you about yourself. When you have done, when you have found him. 
then if you find him, he will preserve you around the way. Peter, who was Simon, he found him. And he changed his name to what? He was Simon. He sent him to change his name to Peter. Gave him a new nature. That is what he will do. He will give you a new nature when he has found you. That means if you are on this life's journey, he will give you benefits. He will prepare you. He will go with you. You understand? He will be there guiding you all the way. Amen. Now, you have to find him. But to be honest, (laughs) you don't find him. He's the one who finds you. Yes, you might come to church if you haven't found him before. But when you are in church, if there is a link between you and him, a connection, he will find you. He will trickle the innermost part in you. That will make you shout to want to accept him. You understand? So, that is why the word of God says, no one can come to me unless who? The father draws him. The reason why you use the the word father is because it is a blood relationship. It has to go way back. Amen. Amen. Now, it has to do what? It has to go way back. Now, if we go through life's journey, there will be challenges. There will be trials. There will be tribulations. I can even say it now. If you are a child of God and your life is hunky-dory, you are very happy, you need to go and examine your life and find on which side are you really in. Because if you are a child of God, there is a battle between good and evil. If you are on the side of good, there will be somebody pestering you all the way, trying to hurt you, trying to touch your children. That is why a child of God will go to what? Trials and tribulation. But that one will, I will expand more on that one. So I want to, to tell you, to, to go back to the scripture that we, we read, where uh, uh, St. Mark says, if you try to save your life, you might lose it. But if you lose your life for the sake of Christ or the gospel, your life will be what? Saved and preserved. Uh, in fact, he, he preserved, that's the way. You will, your life will be what? Preserved. Understand? Now, if you go there, you find that the same uh, sentence is repeated in Matthew, in Luke, in uh, John, in, in even in St. John. He repeats the same thing. Those uh, four, uh, uh, four disciples of Christ, they repeat the same thing. But they also put even new ways. Some, they say, if you find that your life, you might lose it. If you love it, your life, more than you love Christ, <laughs> you might lose it. So you see, each and every time you do something, there should be a first love. My sister, if you get married, your brother that's supposed to marry you has to love Christ first that's right. to be able to love you. Amen. If they don't love Christ, <laughs> that love is temporary. We can assure you. You will be at a pastor's office crying with something because the love there is, doesn't, is not built from a solid foundation, which is what? The love of God. It needs to start there. You understand? But that is just in passing. So uh, there's a, also a quotation that I would like to read from you. It is from the book well, uh, by Gordon Lindsay, which he wrote about Brother Branham. We have some quotation from Brother Branham. Now I would like to read just a few sentences. 
uh, about what happened to the, to the prophet. In page 50, he says, uh, And friends, what I say now, let it be for your education. Is the, is the, it goes to hand in hand with the scripture that I just read. Let my mistake result in your blessing. Friends and relatives warned me against accepting what I knew was God's call to me. You see now relatives? There is Brother Benjamin saying it. Friends and relatives warned me against accepting what I knew was my call. Now let me just give you a background to the story. So that for those who have not read this book before. Brother Brenham went one day went uh, just on a crusade. Then he found some people preaching. Now when he found those people preaching, he was just sitting there and then they gave him a platform to preach. He was even reluctant to do it. Then he preached. Now after he preached, people were blessed. Now after they were blessed, people came in, most of the ministers, and then they gave him an invitation that he must go, come, and come to their church and minister. Now, after all the invitation, he had a, a, an invite that was going to last him for the whole year. Now, he promised the people that he will come. He will go and then come and preach for them. But now, when he went back, some people tried to convince him that, no, if you go there, who's going to take care of your family? Who's gonna, where are you going to get the money? Now, remember, that was the time when he was married. She was married. Uh, he was married to Sharon, sister, uh, sister Hope. Yes. Now, Hope, his wife, Amen. said, no, let's go. But the relatives, <laughs> them, or, yes, the mother-in-law, came and said, no ways. Who's going to take care of my daughter? Now, Brother Brennan now started to reason it all. That was God's call for duty for Brother Brennan that he had to start his, his ministry must go that direction. But he listened to the people. Change direction. He forgot one thing, which I'm going to advise you not to forget. Don't forget who's going to sustain you. Don't forget that. Don't forget who's, gonna, who's your prince of prosperity. It is not the people. It is God. As, that is why, brethren, I will tell you something. Prosperity, maybe people, they preach it an, another way, but there is prosperity in God. Now, if you tell me that uh, for you to be prosperous, you need a husband, what about the widows? Yes, what about the widows? They don't have a man to look after. So what about them? It is because God himself is going to be their husband. He says, I am the husband to the widows. I'm a father to the orphans. That is prosperity. You understand? Now, he says, I'm Jehovah Jireh. Simple. The Lord, you are provider. Brother Brenham now started thinking about providing. <laughs> for guiding that his provider was who? Christ. It was not him. You, you understand? That is why I'm saying he's going to preserve you. He's going to what? Maintain you. Whether you are a widow, whether you have a husband, whether you don't have one, he's going to what? Preserve.
serve you. Take care of you. You understand? So now, brother, let me listen to these people. Now, the story, I don't want to go to it because even myself, when I go through what happened to Brother Bram, it brings tears to my eyes. I was actually even teary this morning when I was reading here what actually happened to him. Just not only because of what he did not listen to God. God said, showed him a way. He chose a different way. Now, the people that he loved, hope, Cheryl Rose, he ended up losing them. Because of what he did not listen to God. He forgot who his provider was. That is why here he says, friends, let this be for your education. That means you must learn from this that you should not forget who your provider is. Amen? You should not. Now, as we go on, you realize that as we go through life, life is a struggle. I will not lie to you and say life is, is it's not. And it is a struggle to keep alive. But now people sometimes when they do it, they forgot who the preserver is. Don't do that, friend. Don't forget who your preserver is. Like people will have medical aid and think that's it. <laughs> you are wrong, my friend. When you have medical aid, we will come, switch off the, the, the life support with a medical aid, and tell you it's over. Yes, but the, the, the machine is still making the person breathe. No, no, the person is brain dead. There's nothing we can do. With your medical aid, we will do that. <laughs> Switch off the life support. It is not the medical aid that's supposed to preserve you. It is not the medical aid that's supposed to conserve you. It is not the medical aid that's supposed to maintain you. You need to know who your preserver, your maintainer is. And to go further, it is not your job that's going to maintain you. Don't forget who gave you that job. It's him. Everything is him. Everything in your life must be him. In front of your life, him. Back him, on your side, him. Then you'll realize that your life will be on course. If you only realize who is preserving your life. Who is the preserver of your life? Not the medical aid. Yes. Now, I will show you something. I I had a privilege that in my life, I've been able to see when people are born, children are born, and also, I have been also privileged to see when people are going. That means I've all been able to see both sides of life, when a person enters and when a person leaves. Now, when a baby is born, it is a momentous occasion. That is why I don't mean don't have medical aid, brother. No. <laughs> don't say, brother, says you shouldn't have medical aid. No, you must have it. Because there are some things that we call life events. You know what is a life event? Life event is something that's going to happen. If you get married, uh, Brother Grace, I'm going to tell you now, you're always going to get pregnant. And your wife needs to go to the hospital to deliver. You need medical aid to do that. Yes, you'll be able for her to go to hospital to deliver. You're still going to need medical aid. Mara, it doesn't mean that if you don't have medical aid, God will not take care of you. No. But if you can afford it, have it. It's fine. Yes, if you can afford it, it's fine. You have to have it. 
But if you don't have it, it is not all doom and gloom. <laughs> because he is there. He will take care of you. I, you know, sometimes I tell people this thing, they don't believe you. Do you know when I grew up, at home, we did never had medical aid. But I can tell you something. Don't, uh, hopefully, what I'm going to tell is not going to give you mixed messages. <laughs> I never ever had to go to a doctor. Yeah. It's the truth. Yes, Even sometimes being a doctor, I don't know how I became a doctor because I, the only time I went into, came into contact with a doctor was when my younger brother had uh, injured his finger and my mother was busy and he told me, take him to the, to the doctor to have a look at the thing. That was the only time. Because I never had to go to a doctor. Why? Because he maintained me. <laughs> he maintained my health. He preserved my health. You see, it is not about the medical aid. No. Yes, I think medical aid perhaps won't be happy with me today. <laughs> it's not about that. You understand? So now, when a baby is born, it is a constant struggle. The baby has to struggle to be born. Now, you'll find that in the room, there will be doctors, midwives, even assistants. And now, when that baby is born, the first thing that will happen, if you're being into a delivery room, I've been there maybe almost 800 to 1,000 times. I've done scissors, I've done normal beds, all those things. And there is an apprehension. There is a moment in time when that baby is born. When that baby has to take its first breath. You see, when that has to happen, the baby is born, the baby has to take its first breath. It is not the doctor. It is not the midwife. It is not the assistant who's going to give that child the first breath. No. It is him. He has to come himself. Give the child a breath of life so that that child can become one, a living soul. Yes, him. The doctors could be busy clapping the baby, shaking the baby. <laughs> no, that's not it. It is him. After they've clapped the baby and the baby starts crying, belt out its first cry, and you find that everybody's happy. Clapping hands as if they've done nothing. But they have done, they have done nothing. The doctors, the nurses, they are a means to an end. That means whether they are there or not there, the baby is going to be born. And then the baby, if God predestinated that baby, the baby is going to have his first breath. Yes, they are just a means to an end. Yes, that's what they are. But when that baby takes its first breath, it is a constant struggle from there. Now, you can imagine, if God can preserve the life of that baby, can he preserve yours? Didn't he preserve you all this time for you to be a man like you are now? Who preserved you? It's him. You understand? And then I can tell you now, that moment when the baby is born is a wonderful moment. It is unexplainable. The doctors will be sweating. There will be relief in that room. But at that moment of time, if you are spiritual, if mothers, and we want to thank the mothers, maybe we should give them a round of applause. 
Even myself, I do not understand this process. I've learned about it, but I don't actually get to understand it. In fact, there's one friend of mine, he's a, he's a gynecologist, he's an obstetrician. Sometimes when they ask him a question, he will tell them the straight. He says, hey, man, why are you asking me? I'm not God. Don't ask me, I'm not God. Because he also realizes that it is God in all, in, in all of it. In everything here for you to be born, it is God. For you to have a healthy child, it is him. He will tell them, no, man, don't tell me. Hey, man, that is God. He's the God. If your child is healthy, he's going to be God who's going to determine it. He tells you straight. Hey, brethren, your baby is going to be healthy. Yes, I want the baby to be healthy. But it is God. Who's going to do it? Don't tell me, me, I'm going to ensure. What am I going to ensure? And the, 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 the patient will come in. Hey, but I'm this doctor you sent me to. He says it is God. I'm like, yes, it is God. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're, telling the, you're saying the same thing. Yes, it's because it is him. Amen. And because there is that moment in time where God has to take place. Where God has to step in. Yes. No man can do it but him. You, you get it? No man. Now, you can just imagine now. And then... Uh, if that's the case, that he can do this to your baby, what can he do for you? And then now, you will realize one thing, that if he maintained and preserved that baby, he does not preserve that baby from that moment when the baby is born. He preserves that baby through generations. You can actually trace that baby back to the time of Shem, uh, of Japheth Shem, uh, the, the sons of Noah. From Noah, you can trace even that baby from Noah to Seth to Adam. From Adam, you can actually preserve, trace back that child to who? God himself. That is the person who has maintained that child through generation, through wars, floods, diseases, famine. In your forefather's loins, he preserved you. That's why you are here. It is not you. It's not because you are wise. He just preserved you. Now, uh, if you go into, if I can just tell you something, if you go into the delivery room, you will realize that for each and everything that's going there, if you are spiritual, you realize there is a higher power. You know why I'm saying that? It's because when that baby comes, there is an angel of life in that delivery room. And then also I can tell you, there is good and evil. There is an angel of death also in that room. So there is an angel of life preserving the life of that baby. There is an angel of death wanting to take the life of that baby. You understand? So it is a constant struggle. You understand? So through this struggle, he has to preserve you. You understand? Now, if you go through, through the generations and then we trace you back, we can realize that even before you were conceived, you know, Brother Bremen says in the spoken word, one in a million. Amen. He says you are one in a million. He's not kidding. The reason he said that he went to a range, but I don't want to go through that story. I want to explain about you 
so that you will understand about you. He says when you went there, when you are, the, the process of conception, this is how it happens. There will be millions of gem cells. These millions of gem cells are only after one egg. And in a, of that millions, only you, one you, must make it true. The pastor even talked about it, that you must go through an acidic passage. That, is, that means a hostile environment to make it true. And then you did. Here you are. Who preserved you? Who took care of you? Who made sure that you are able to go there, go into the egg, fertilize it, grow, become a living human being? Him. There is no one else who could do it but him. That is why you are what? A one in a million. You understand? Because even if we go there, he says to Jeremiah, before I formed thee, <laughs> you see now, here he is saying the same thing. Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew you. Before, that means when you were, nobody even ever thought about you, that Brother Grace will ever, there will be a, bre- a person called Brother Grace. He knew you. And then this is what Jeremiah says. He says, and before thou comest out of thy womb, of the womb, I sanctified thee. And I ordained thee. Before. <laughs> you understand? That means even you, he has done the same thing. That is why Brother Bram says, if he goes to a mixed audience, that means a mixed audience might be if he preaches to people who believe this message and not believe his message. He doesn't like using the word predestination because he says it normally makes people jitter. He says he'll use the word for knowledge, for ordained. Here is God saying to, to Jeremiah, saying, I ordained thee. I predestinated you. I foreknew you, even before you were born. So how could you say now in this journey of life you are going through that he will not maintain it? He will not preserve you. He will not take care of you. He will not take care of your, your children. He will not take care of your wife. How could you say that? Because he foreknew you. He foreknowledged you even before you were formed. You understand? So you are what? A one in a million. You are unique. And I can tell you, brethren, there is only you. <laughs> there is nobody like you. Because God wanted you. Yes. There can't be another brother in Christ. <laughs> There's only one. You are what? A one in a million. Hallelujah. Now, as we go on with our message, now you can realize now that if he can maintain... You see, all this thing we're talking about is just the natural you. is the physical you. But we also mentioned that there is a spiritual, another person the inside man, the one in you. If he can maintain the natural person, can't he maintain the supernatural you, the spirit man that is in you? Can't he maintain him? If he can maintain your daily needs, make sure that you have food, you have shelter, you understand? Every needs of your life are taken care of. Can't he maintain the spiritual you? Can't he? He will. He will. 
Yes. So for both your spiritual and your physical preservation, no one can do it but Christ himself. Now, that is why when you go to Genesis 4, the, 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 the scripture I have read, the, it is uh, Cain answering God after he killed Abel. He says something critical there. He says, uh, they asked him, saying, uh, where is that? But he says, I know not. That was a lie because he had actually killed them. But after that sentence, there's something that he says. He says, am I my brother's keeper? You see, brethren, you cannot depend on people to keep you. Here is Cain, supposed to be keeping his brother because he was the eldest. The youngest brother was young. But what did he do? He killed him. Because you cannot depend on people to keep him. You understand? So, in that case, when Cain uh, spoke and said, I am not my brother's keeper, he was telling the truth. The devil, the serpent's seed in that instance was telling the truth. Am I my brother's keeper? Because he was not. No person can keep you. No person can preserve you. And then now, Cain killed uh, Abel, his brother, to fulfill one scripture in Genesis 3, where God says when he was cursing the serpent that I will put enmity between you and the woman's seed. Now, the woman's seed, you know what it is? Do you know who's the, what, is it, what, what did the scripture meant when he said the woman's seed? Who is the woman's seed? It's Christ. Jesus Christ was the woman's seed. Now, when he said, I will put enmity between you and the woman's seed, he was referring to what? Christ. Now, who has Christ in him? You. That means there will be enmity between the devil and you because you have Christ's seed in you. Yes. So, that is why now the, the war, this war started way back. Immediately when he realized it, he wanted to kill him. Because there's enmity between them. The two can't go along. No, because there are two differences. He wanted to kill him because why? He is a seed of a serpent, Cain. And then uh, Abel, his brother, was the seed of one of Adam, who was the son, the God, the, the, the son of God. You understand? Now Christ, if you have Christ in you, what I'm trying to tell you, my brother, there will be strife in your life. There will be trials in your life. There will be tribulation in your life. Just because you are what? You are the seed of Christ. Because why? You are walking in a certain way, taking a certain direction, while the serpent seed is taking a different direction. Now there will be enmity. There will be constant strife. There will be constant war between the two. They will not agree. You understand? That is why now, each and every time he says, he says, Am I my brother's keeper? He was not. Then the main thing that you need to take from there is that no one can keep you, especially a human being. If you do that, I'm telling you, my brother, you will be disappointed. Yes, because you will hope on people that you cannot, who cannot, you cannot really depend on. You understand? You need to know who your keeper is. That it is only him and you. Now, here we see that Cain and God were having a conversation. And the same thing happened in Job. In Job, Satan says, I was wondering. Came there, had a conversation with God. About who? <laughs> about Job. He had a conversation with God about Job. The devil is, always, is still the same. 
he's still having a conversation about God, about you. Yes. yes. What he did there with his son, yes. having a conversation with God, saying, I did not kill him. I don't know him. He's still doing the same thing. He came to God, to, to, to God and said, God and asked him, saying, well, what are you doing? He said, no, I was just wandering up and down, to and fro. Uh, and then he said, okay, have you seen my seven job? Uh, he said, uh, don't tell me about that one. That one, angry when you have put a hedge around him, you have given him everything, I can't even touch him, I cannot even do anything to him, because you have protected him. So why are you telling me about him? He says, oh, okay, Satan, since you are saying that, I'm just going to let the, 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 the pass a bit, That's lower, lower that hedge, so that you can have a bit, <laughs> go into his house and do something to him. But now, there is something that he said. About Job. He says, after you've done this, you've killed his children, you've done taking his animals, you cannot take his life. Why? Because his life, the life of Job, belongs to who? To God. The devil can do anything to you, but he can never take your life. Because your life belongs to who? To God. You understand? Now, what I'm trying to tell you that you need to understand is he is the same God. Yesterday, yes, with Job, he was the same God. Today, you, he's the same God with you. Even now as we speak, he's still going to have a conversation about you. Uh, I can give you a story just to illustrate you. One day he came into brother, the pastor's house. And then there was a conversation about him. It's just a story, but it is something that actually happened. He said, uh, the God asked him, do you know my servant Madiba? He said, yeah, I know him. Yes, the pastor, yes. And uh, God said, uh, there's no upright man. He's a true servant of God. And he says, yeah, angry is because you, you have protected him. You have protected him. You've given him shelter. You've protected his children. You've protected his cars. Protected everything. I can't touch him. He says, oh, okay. Let me lower the bus a bit. Now, on that Saturday, Pastor Mary was supposed to be preaching the, the next day. Now, the, the, the child, he, the devil went into the house. He will come into your house. Yes, he will tell you. Looked and said, okay. There is Tumi. There is Tebu. There is Bunol. Which one does Brother Madiba love the most? <laughs> Amen. Then he says, no, no. Tumi, Tumi is old. If I give Tumi an infection, they will just tell him to sleep it over. It's not a problem. He's also old as well. He will just sleep it over. But if I can touch that young one, the one that is so fond of, maybe I will disturb this message for the next morning. Yeah, then he came. He gave the child an infection. The child all of a sudden had a fever. I know this story because the pastor phoned me. Then the child had a fever. They took him to a doctor. Now to show you that it was a disruption from the devil. He wanted them to take him to a doctor, do this. Now when they went to the doctor, the doctor said, yeah, the child has a fever. Let's make the child to sleep. But Pastor Madiba came and said, not my child. God is going to preserve her. God is going to preserve her health. They took the baby back. The next morning, how was the baby? Fine. Fine. You see, it is not only Job. 
He will come into your house as well. Now, the only thing you need to know is that when he comes into your wife, your house, it is God who permitted it. It is not that he was sleeping on duty. God does not sleep on duty. No, no. He doesn't have a nap, sleep on duty, forget that there is a Madiba. No. Uh-uh. He just permitted it. He wanted to demonstrate his power. Not only his power, he wanted to pr- demonstrate his present power. Not the power that he had with Job, but the power that he has with you. As we speak now, he wanted to, pre- to, to want demonstrate that power that he has with you. Not only in the past tense, but also in the present. Also in the future. You understand? Because he's the one, he's an infinite God. Omnipotent, almighty God. Amen. Then, amen. So that is why He's all powerful. Now, if a tragedy strikes for you, uh, there's, a, there's, a, there's, a, there's a scripture I want to read for you so that you, you will understand that your life is not an accident. Mm-hmm. Nothing happens to you by chance or by accident. Everything is pre planned. Your way in life, He has. For, he has foreknown it. He knows it. He knows each and every trial, trial tribulation, temptation that you're going to go through. He knows it. You understand? And he knows that you're going to overcome. Not just for, for overcoming, but for his glory. All this thing is to glorify him. To show what his attributes. That he is a savior. He is a provider. He is a barren bearer. He's lost Jehovah Rapha, Jehovah It is just to demonstrate that. Amen. Amen. Now he will come to you. And the reason he will come to you is because why he will permit it. Uh, I see time is not on my side, but let's just read uh, one, one scripture here. It is 1 Corinthians 10, verse 13, where he will tell you how, he should show, show you how God works. First Corinthians uh, chapter 10, uh, verse 13. Now he's telling you now how he works. He says, There had no temptation taken you, but such as is common to men. But God is faithful. You see, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able? There it is there. That means there is no trial temptation that he will give to you that he knows you can overcome. He has the measure of you. He knows your strength, your weaknesses, your weak points, your power points, your strength, anything about you. He knows it. You understand? That is why he says who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able. That means when he gives you temptation, he knows my servant, Brother Chetty, will overcome it. But will, will, with the temptation, also make a way for you to escape. Whatever thing you may go through, he will make a way for you to escape. And that he may be able to do what? Bear it. You understand? So, 
when something happens, that is why now I said I've come, I've seen uh, both ends of life. The birth and the death. Yes, brethren, as we people, we're going to die. Yes, even myself, one day I'm going to die. But the people around me, if that event comes, God is going to strengthen them. Make them able. You see, the, the reason I'm talking about death is because that is the ultimate event in life. My friend, if you're dead, you're dead. <laughs> there is no way about it. You can't call a doctor. You can't call, give food or whatever. The person is dead. But God is able to sustain the people that you go. That means if I die, God is going to sustain the people behind me. He's able. He's going to give them strength to be able to go through this event. You understand? Because why? He is able. You, he will not give you trial, tribulation above ye are able. He has your measure. You, you know, we say what? He does things in advance. When something comes, he has prepared you in advance. You understand? So, there is no accident. There is no chance. So, that is why with that lady, I was like, why do you have to go to be a Sangoma to do initiation? Because he knows you in advance. If you are his, she will be able to sustain you. He will be able to take you through this. Because you are his. He knows you what? In advance. And he will prepare you in advance. Now, if you go through a, something and then you are not prepared, it just proves who you are. It just proves where you come from. But his own he will prepare what? In advance. Whatever life event may come, in advance, he will prepare you. Amen. Now, if there is, there is no trial or tribulation temptation in your life, that he will not prepare you. But now, if you find that, like I'm going to say it again, if you find that in your life, there's no trial, there's no temptation, there's no tribulation, I'm going to say it once more. Check Whose side are you on? But if you are a child of God, those things you will have. Yes. Now, my message is, I don't think I'll be able to finish, but do I have a few minutes extra? (laughs) Amen. Now, why does he preserve you? That's the question we need to answer. Why does he have to preserve you? And how does he do it? Now we've read the scripture there where Abraham called his chief servant and said, you know what, I want you to go to my land where I was born, the land of Mesopotamia, in Ur of the Chaldeans. I want you to go and find a wife for me, for my son, Isaac. Now you must realize something. When uh, Abraham is saying this, he is in Canaan. Uh, Mesopotamia is far away from Canaan. I think you know the story. I've preached about it before. That Canaan was promised this land that it will be his. He will inherit it, and even the people after him will inherit him. Now, in Canaan, that was the promised land. Even in the message that I preached to you, I I tried to show you that Egypt, uh, the wilderness, and the, the, the promised land, it means justification, sanctification, and baptism of the Holy Spirit is those three stages. Now, where he was with his son, 
it was where it was in Canaan. That means that is where the Holy Spirit was supposed to be operating. Now uh, I want you to understand this. So let's go go there. So he says, I want you to go there and get my my child a wife from among my people, not from among the people in Canaan. Now, that means where he wanted to maintain a bloodline. He wanted to make sure that there is no mixed breeding. There is no mixed breeding of the seed of his son and the people there in Canaan. And that's what God does. God is a what? He's a separator. He wants his people to be separated. Now, when Eliezer went there, he, Eliezer, if we go, Eliezer typed the messenger. Abraham typed God. The bride, the woman that they had to find for Isaac was what the bride. Isaac typed Jesus Christ. You understand? Now, when he sent him over to a land, now the people that he needed to get, the person that was supposed to be married to his son was supposed to be what? A bride relation. It was not supposed to be any person. That is why we say today, you have a blood relation with Christ. Because you were in him even before the, the, the foundation of the world. You are part of him. Brother Branham used the word attributes. You were his thought. You were in him. So now as we speak, you are, you are what we call expressed, manifested attributes of God. That is why you are here. That is why you can see to me bubbling because what I, there is a connection between what I'm saying and what you believe in. Because what I'm believing is what I'm saying is about him. As an expressed attribute, you can listen. If you are not, you can get bored because <laughs> there is no connection. There is no relationship between you and what I'm talking about. Amen. So when he sent him there, there were conditions. One of the conditions was, if he gets there, he cannot... Because he said, uh, Elias asked him and said, um, what if the, the damsel, the, 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 the woman, doesn't want to come? Should I take your son there? Now, <laughs> should I take your son out of the promised land into another foreign land? What, do, what does Abraham respond? No. No, you can't take my son there. Now, he, then he said, the angel, the Lord, his angel will guide you. You understand? He will guide you through this journey. Now, when he went there, Eliezer prayed. There was a prayer. Now, in his prayer, he said, God, may the damsel that's going to come and then water, give me water. And then uh, may she also, to prove that it is really her, may she give me water and then also want water the camels that came in. Now, Eliezer, when he went there, he took 10 camels. <laughs> My friend, you have to try to feed, give 10 camels water. I don't think you will be able to. They drink. They don't play. They drink. Now, there was an easy job that was given to this woman to prove herself. What was she supposed to do? Just go there, give Eliezer water. That's what Eliezer gave. But there was an unwritten message behind it. One that was not revealed. That she had to get it by what? Revelation. You understand? It was not something that was said. <laughs> Amen. 
It was something that has to be revealed to her. That, and then now you see how difficult revelation is. You have to water, water 10 camels for you to fulfill. Pastor, how many? That's it. You have to give, I need only one liter. <laughs> and that is what I'm asking you. Give me one liter. Now you have to go and give also a thousand liter. How many people will do that unless it is predestination? Amen. Unless it is what? Revelation. Amen. That was the... That is why uh, I think Pastor... Uh, Francis mentioned the same thing. That was the unwritten message. Unwritten code. Coded message. The seven seal. That is it there. Where you had to what? Believe it. You understand? Not every person can believe it unless the people who it is revealed to. Because it is what? Unwritten. That is why it says there was silence for a space of half an hour. Nothing said. But there was an occasion happening here on earth. What was the occasion? There was a union between what? Christ and the bride here on earth. That is why we say the seventh seal what? Brings him down to earth. Earth what? You. That is the seventh seal. Now, you find that the seventh seal is the entire Bible. The entire Bible. With its revealed and unrevealed message. But it is only the chosen few who will believe one, the unwritten part of it. You understand? The unwritten part, unrevealed one, that will get the revelation of it. You understand? So there was the trick. There was the catch. She had to what? Do the most difficult thing. So that is why you, the bride, you have to believe the most difficult thing. Because why? Not because of your intelligence. No, because why? You were predestinated for ordained. He preserved you to do that. To, that means you are the only generation who could believe those things. Because why? He foreordained you. Now, when he went there, the bride did that. Now, the, the, the seed, as I said, has to be what? Of the same bloodline. But now, there's a, there, there's a, there's a thing, there's something about this. Why uh, Isaac had, did not have to go to, to, to Mesopotamia? Why? The, it was forbidden. The reason is, if you realize um, Christ, uh, there's something about him that he, Brother Bremen says in the spoken word, who is this Melchizedek? He says the reason why you have to go through temptation. Uh, maybe we can break the quotation if we have a bit of time. Um, It is, who is this Melchizedek? Paragraph 79, 78 and 79. So you will understand the reason why Isaac could not go there, but why the bride had to come to him. Remember, when the bride came to him, the moment they reached the land, the, the, that, the, that land, and then uh, Rebecca So uh, Isaac, the first thing, what did, you, did she do? Do people remember what she did? The moment he saw Isaac, you know what she did? She covered her face. What does that mean? It's because when she covered herself, it was a proof that she was now covered by what? The word. Yes, that there is the word Isaac covering her. Now she's what? Protected. 
covered by one, the weight, the moment she came in. But that was not happening in Mesopotamia, in the land of the city of Nahor. It had to happen where? In Canaan land. So that is why now you can see that Isaac could not live where the, the, the land of Canaan, where the word existed. Leave the word to go to where the word doesn't, doesn't exist. The bride had to come to Christ, who is the word. Then the bride has to come to a place where there is a Holy Spirit. In the what? The land of Canaan. Now, there is something here that I want you to tell you. Uh, as, yes, he says, then, that is brother ben, then when a man is born again from heaven, he becomes a spirit babe in Christ. And when, then when his rope of flesh is dropped, there is a natural body. I think here he wanted to say a spiritual body. Theophany. A body not made with hands, neither born of a woman that we go to. Then that body returns back and speaks of the glorified body. That is when he explains when a person dies that there is, there is this body that you see. But I have another body, which is the theophany. Now you will see why, what I'm getting to as we go down there. Now he says, that's the reason Jesus went to hell when he died and preached to the souls that were in prison. Turn back into that theophany. Oh, marvelous. Thank God. Now he says, 2 Corinthians, he mentions 2 Corinthians chapter 5, 1. If this earthly body be dissolved, this earthly tabernacle, we have another one. See, we have bypassed that. What have we bypassed? Our theophany. We have, but Isaac, because they, the theophany is the wet body, Isaac in Canaan, that is where the theophany existed. As Christ, he was the word body. He didn't bypass his theophany. His theophany, the word body was in Isaac. The wife, Rebecca, had to come, go there, come into contact with his head, theophany, the word body. Now he says here, see, we have bypassed death to come straight from God, the attribute, to be flesh, to be tempted and tested by sin like Adam did. Bypassed what? Your theophany, your word body. But when testing of his word is over, then we are taken up to this body that was prepared for us before the foundation of the world. It is the word there that we skipped, you see, to come right around down here to be tempted and tested. If we would have come through that, there would be no temptation. That means if we didn't bypass our theophany, we wouldn't have to be tested because the word body would be in us. Now he says, this is where I want to draw you. He says, that is the reason Jesus knew all things. Because he was the word before he was flesh. Then he became the word. You see? That's it. That is why, because Jesus, he didn't bypass it to your family. Because he was what? God. He was not born through flesh, through desires of a man. It was, when Jesus Christ was born, what happened? There was a word. There was no desire. There was a word. A word which was a promise. The word of God came and formed him. You understand? Now, that was even we. We are striving back to go to our theophany. So that when this flesh is gone, to go down with, there is an earthly tabernacle waiting for us. The word body. That is what we are looking forward to. But the moment you become one with Christ, oh my then the word body, you have the same power and knowledge that Christ has. 
Because you are what? You become who? Him. You understand? Your mind, his mind becomes the same. Yes. That is why if you are a Christian, they, you have to step up to that wet body. That wet body had to come, possess you. You have to do what? A stepping up. That's what Jesus was. We have to go what? Die. That is the reason he's preserving, preserving us to be able to reach that state. You understand? Amen. So that is why now he, Rebecca, had to come to what? Isaac. Because where he was, that is where the word, the Holy Spirit, the word, the Holy Spirit, Christ, is the same thing. He had to go towards him. Christ could not leave his position of being, having power, authority to go to the wife to lose it. The wife had to come to him. And that is why Eliezer, that is what the work of the prophet is is to come make us into contact with Christ. So that each and every attribute that Christ has, each and everything, you know he says, the same that works that I do, if you are with you, you will be able to do the same thing. So it is a step up in faith. That's all it does. That is why there is a quotation I like a lot about the super sense. It says, the reason why faith was given it was to deny anything contrary to the word. Yes. That means anything contrary to these five senses. That is the super sense. When the devil says, you cannot, what does faith say? You can. You understand? But you have to do a step up. You have to what? Bump against that theophany. Be one. That word body, Christ, has to be in you for you to be able to do that. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, the, for me to show you an example, to illustrate something to you before we close, I think I'm already run out of time. If it happens one day that uh, there is a trainer and a training, the trainer will come train you in the arts of warfare or whatever that is. But now, for you to be able to survive, if in, at that moment in time war breaks out, between the trainer and the training, who's going to survive? The trainee and the trainer. The one who has been trained and the one who's training the person. Who's going to survive if war broke? The trainer. Because the trainer has won the whole experience. To make it even easier, let me give you an example. If there is a father and children in the house and a fire breaks, who has a chance to survive? The father. Why? Because he is more able. Now, you see, for us to be able to, to, be able to, to, be, to survive this thing, that means we need to do a step up. We need to, for that, that child to be able to survive that fire. That means if the, fire, the father can come and try to carry the child, chances are they might, we might lose all of them. But if it happens by chance that the mind that is in the father, the strength that is in the father, becomes, gets into the son, the child, when the fire breaks, when the father jumps, the child will have the same strength to what? To jump. When the father goes down, the child will have the same strength to what? Do the same. Because remember, they have the same mind. They will do the same thing. So now the survival of the child will be guaranteed because he has the same strength as the father. Do you see what I'm getting to now? Do you see what I'm getting to? That even you, to be able to survive, to defeat the devil, you have to step up. 
You have to have Him in you. You have to become Him. Yes, you have to become Him to be able to survive. That means when He says, jump, you jump. When He says, go down, you go down. Because now, the mind is what they say. That is why in Philippians, it says you must have what? The mind of Christ. That means you must have anything. You must be coordinated with Him. You must have the same uh, coordination, same attributes as Him. That is why He says, if you do that, you are elevated to that level. The same works that I do. (laughs) Hallelujah. You will be able to do. Because now, it's no longer you, it is also Him in you doing those works. You have become the same as in Him. Your actions become coordinated with this action. Amen. Amen. So now you can realize that now it's no longer him conserving you. It's him conserving you in you. It's him what? In you conserving you. Hallelujah. Ah, For with those few words, I think my message is over. Uh, We can just sing a song that there is a cleft at Jesus' side. Because there in that side, you will be what? Conserved. Preserved. But the main thing is that you need to do step up. Be Him. Nobody else but Him. As the the, the music team can come uh, over. Yes, you have to step up and become Him. You understand? Be Christ. You understand? That was the reason uh, that mantra, Pastor, you say we, we, we have to be Him. We have to become Him. We are Him. Then, if that happens, then a true life journey becomes what? Easy. Because it's no longer us doing the things. It's him doing the things in us. You understand? It's him leading the way in you. Now, you, it's no longer you looking for something. It's him doing things automatically in you. As we sing, there's a cleft at Jesus' side and the pastor can come in. May God richly bless you. Amen.
Hallelujah. Don't start don't trust in your resources. Trust in your source. Hallelujah. Amen. God is the source. It was beautiful. If you attempted to preserve your life, you will certainly lose it. Hallelujah. But if you let it go for the sake of the gospel, you will preserve it. Amen. If you attempt to preserve your children, you will lose them. But if Amen. you let them go for the sake of the gospel, you will preserve them. Hallelujah. It's just a law, it's just an oxymoron, a law of contrast. Amen. Hallelujah. It was wonderful. God bless you. For such a piece of a master. Amen. Let's sing a worshiping song. We're going to wrap up.
great physician, his brother Philip, will come and wrap up in prayer for us. Let's sympathize in Jesus. He speaks the drooping heart to share and hear the voice of Jesus. How many believe he spoke to them this morning? How many were assured this morning that he is a preserver of life? Amen. Trust in him. Have faith in him. and your mercy upon our lives, O oh Lord. Lord, us as human beings, Lord, we haven't got enough breath, Lord. We haven't got enough time in our lives, Lord, just to thank you, Lord, for what you've done for us, O oh Lord. That you preserved us, Lord, from the foundation of the world, O oh Lord. You were written in your, in your hand, O oh Lord, in the palm of your hands. We were there, O oh Lord God. And we're so grateful, Lord, that even today, Lord, it's not just a... Uh, uh, something, Lord, but we were here for a purpose, Lord, to come and attend this service, oh Lord. It wasn't coincidence, oh Lord. We were there, Lord. You foresaw us, you foreknew us this day, oh Lord God. And I'm so grateful, Lord, to know, Lord, that you have been behind me all the time, Lord. Every step that we've taken, Lord, every word that we've gone, we've said, oh Lord, you know all about it, oh Lord God. 
And oh Lord God, in this time that we're living in, oh Lord, just to believe this message, oh Lord, this end time message, oh Lord. It wasn't just a coincidence, Lord. You foreknew it, oh Lord God. That we would follow this message, the bright age, oh Lord. The Pentecostal age is dead, oh Lord. It's gone, Lord. We've entered into the last age and we're so grateful, Lord God. We thank you, Lord. May we just go from this day, Lord, and be the after speaker, Lord God. That we may realize, Lord, every day of this week, no matter what happens, O oh Lord, whether it's good or bad, we may just know that you are the preserver of life, O oh Lord. That you preserved us, O oh Lord yes. God. And there's no sickness, there's no trial, there's no temptation, Lord, that we can handle, O oh Lord God. You will see us through, O oh Lord God. Even in death, O oh Lord, you have preserved, O oh Lord. Lord, and we're so thankful, Lord, that scripture, Lord, that always on my heart, O oh Lord God, that, 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 Lord, that we will... Um, Lord, that you have preserved us, O oh Lord God, and even the children be, be saved, O oh Lord. Those that are, if we believe, O oh Lord, our children will be saved, O oh Lord God. You preserve life, O oh Lord God, no matter what it is, O oh Lord. Us standing in the gap, O oh Lord, today, O oh Lord, for our children, O oh Lord. Standing in the gap for those that are need us, O oh Lord. Applying the token, O oh Lord God. We pray that you may go with us further, Lord. Thank you for the pastor that preached today, Lord, that you may bless him, Lord, give him strength, Lord. Go with us further now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. When the praises go up, His glory comes down. We lift Him higher. We lift Him higher. We lift Him higher in our personal lives. We lift Him higher at our workplaces. Wherever we go, we've got to lift Him higher. How many do they believe he deserves to be lifted higher? Amen. We serve a living God when the praises go up. We lift him The praise is going up this afternoon.
but yet ye shall see me. For I will be with you, even in you, until the end. What a better preservation. I was telling somebody, I said, the message is the best anti-aging product. Hallelujah. When this message makes you look younger. Hallelujah. I do believe that the message is the best anti-aging product. Amen. Our sisters look beautiful without, without makeup, without funny things. What preserves the, them? The grace of the Lord. Our men are not stooped out. They don't have poser faces. They look radiant. It's by the grace of God. Don't step out of Graceland. Be a resident, permanent resident in the Graceland. You shall be preserved. You remember Jacob said, I have seen the Lord face to face. And my life was preserved. How many say, I have seen God face to face. My life has been preserved. A preserved life. Hallelujah. I feel like David this morning. Uh, I just can't have the dance moves that he had. I can't have the dance moves that Miriam had when the Red Sea opened and they walked on the dry ground. Uh, somebody say, rejoice in the Lord. And I say again, rejoice in the Lord. In the Lord is not a place of long faces. Cast your burdens to the Lord. There is liberty where the Spirit of God is. And this afternoon there is liberty here. Hallelujah. How many believe that? Because we've got God that preserves us. How oh, we thank God for that. They say, heavens. Me, I love this song. Have agreed. You know, once heavens agree about something about you, no one can overrule it. No demon, no wish, nothing can overrule that. If the heavens say you are his child, you are his child. If heaven says you are, you're going to go into the rapture, nothing shall stop that. Hallelujah. How many, how many have believed our report? Amen. Heaven, have agreed.
South Africa agrees, African Union can overrule him. If the AU agrees, United Nations can overrule. But if heavens have agreed, no one can overrule heaven. Hallelujah. Study party. This was a great day. We need you to come and sing that one. Amen. And after we are releasing you, have a blessed week. And then pray, continue to pray for one another. And let it be a victorious week. We are back here on Wednesday, same time, 6 o'clock. It's a holiday. We'll allow you to go wherever you want to go in the morning. But in the evening, we meet. Is it fair? Or should we bring you in church in the morning and release you early? Oh, okay. We'll come in the evening. Oh, okay. <laughs> God bless you. See you in the evening. See, I'm democratic. Amen. All right. Yes. How many believe that it was a wonderful day? How many remember when they were born again? How many? Oh, wait a second. How many? We call it a, a eureka moment. Hallelujah. When, when that revelation strikes you, you became very agitated and said, Goodness, where's the water? I want to be baptized. And mom and dad said, Are you sure? You said, I have never been sure of anything other than like this moment. I'm dead sure. I want to be baptized. And every verse and every song just had a special meaning. How many remember that? And if the devil has stolen the joy of your salvation, tell the devil this morning, get behind me, Satan. I told Satan that joy is mine. Hallelujah. How many are still having a joy of salvation? Hallelujah. Amen. God is good, folks. God is good? All the time? Ah, Not all of you are saying that. God is good. All the time. God is good. Then the devil is a liar, big fat liar. You don't have respect for him. Don't believe anything that he tells you. There is a God that preserves you. Your boss is not a preserver. Your job is not a preserver. The medical aid is not a preserver. You have heard a doctor say, We are not preservers. God is a preserver. Amen. Come with it. Ah. It's a wonderful day.
but now I'm letting you go. However, they say he does things in advance for us. Before you are sick, he already heals you. He opens the way before you get to where there are bottlenecks. So, you, you can imagine when the, the, son, the children of Israel were going around Jericho, they had to do a shout. It wasn't it supposed to be? Brother says, if you really hate noise, I don't know when we get to heaven, how it's going to be. Because even us that never added volume here on earth, we'll add volume on the other side. Things are going to be quite something else. But I want our whole cry just to, just to scatter demons. There's a demon on Monday we wanted to scatter. On Tuesday we wanted to scatter. Before we get there on Wednesday we wanted to scatter. And when we come on Wednesday we reinforce and scatter the Thursday ones. Are we, are we together? He, he opens our way before we get there. Are you not happy folks? To have, uh, you, you know, when, you, when you've got a post-dated check, and if you got it from a very unscrupulous person, a doji person, you, you don't even care about that check. Yeah. You can even tell to people. But when you know that you got a post-dated check from a wealthy man, you know that it's not going to bounce. You, you're going to put it nicely. You know, when you, before you sleep, you want to check, is it still there? In the evening, you want to check, is it not stolen? Until it is cashed. Because you already consider it that it's, it's, it's what you already have, but it's waiting to be cashed. There are blessings here that are waiting to be cashed. Post-dated blessing, but they need you to take care of his weight. The weight will cash your blessings. How many believe that? Don't cry when they ask you, how are you? You say, I'm sick. You are not sick. You are healed even though you are sick. You are healed. Hallelujah. Let, uh, this church, we need to be the kind of church that praises God for things that have not yet happened as though they have happened. Are we together? Come with it and I promise I'm leaving you. are not going to give me. God bless you. Shalom.